Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. This documentary series is called Catching a Killer. It follows the investigation into a series of murders, each one of these murders is its own episode, and it's a, so far a five-part series, and it offers the viewer unprecedented access into these investigations, and it's from start to finish. Uh, each one of these documentary films is self-contained and follows one particular murder and covers some of the most serious and challenging crimes facing this police force. Uh, beyond the traditional view of investigative work by police, this delves even deeper and in a more personal and relatable way. How does a major investigation work? How do the partner agencies come together to support an investigation? And how much work really goes in behind the scenes to gain a successful outcome in court? All of these questions are posed and all of them answered in the series Catching a Killer. And we're joined today by one of the co-directors as well as one of the executive producers of the series, and that would be Jezza Newman. Jezza, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for being here. As I said to you before we got started, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's an extraordinary documentary series. And I guess the first question I have regarding it, there's five different uh, episodes, five different stories to to be told with this remarkable level of access. Talk, let's. I'd like to talk a little bit about how you gained uh, the access that you got. How did you achieve this level of trust with the people who are doing these investigations? Yeah, so the initial access was gained because Anna Hall, who's also one of the my colleagues who is a, an exec on the film and also a director of one of them, she um, was making another film with Thames Valley Police um, on domestic abuse, and she was working with the domestic abuse unit, had filmed uh, a murder during that time. And uh, it didn't fit in that film um, because of the way the shape of that film took. So we, we thought this was amazing, though, um, and was really compelling, um, the very beginning of it. And uh, so we used that as a pilot to take to Channel 4 and say, look, what, what if we followed these from the beginning you know right from the outset and they say sure if you can if you can glean that access so we just we just went back to the police back to tvp and, and said you know what do you think you know no one's done this before there's some really important issues that you cover um would you be open to it and um and they said yes <laughs> so um obviously we had the usual sort of lawyers arguing over access agreements which took a little bit of time but basically, um, you know, we set about it. We decided we'd do meets and greets. So we thought we'd go down to Thames Valley has three lo major locations. And so we thought we'd go to each of the locations, meet some of the officers, talk about what we're trying to do. And um, I, I mean, I, I pre-coded that with the fact that, you know, we make films to make a difference. That's what True Vision does. That's our company and that's our ethos. Um, and, and also the same for Candor, our sister company in Leeds that Anna runs. 
for us, it was important to to make sure we weren't just um, telling stories of, of a murder. It had to be more than that. So each film, we'd want to be highlighting something that was an issue in, in, in sort of general life. And so you'll notice with Natalie Hemmings' murder, the one that you, you mentioned earlier, that was very much about domestic abuse. That, that was about, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it, that, that's the essence of that story. And what came out of that film was that the sister of the deceased actually has gone on to do a lot of work at promoting, giving women a voice to actually speak out, and men, about when they are suffering from domestic abuse, to actually speak out to someone before it gets to the point. If you like, that film was the worst case scenario. You know, what can happen if you keep quiet? So what we want to do is get that across to the police. We weren't just there to do a murder mystery. That would be the sort of draw for the audience, but there would be something, another layer of the onion, if you like, to, that would make the films more than just that. The, the first film we actually made, although it wasn't the first to go out, was, was a murder in Oxford. And I was actually at Thames Valley when doing meets and greets, when one of the officers there said, um, if I was you, I wouldn't go home. I said, why? I said, something's just come in and I think it might interest you. And we were at the very first briefing of that one. And that was Kevin Brown, who's now head of major crime. We went on and he was the SIO, the senior investigating officer on that case. And we were there from the very outset. So we didn't go home. Um, we had our cameras with us, luckily. We had to radio home for someone to bring us some clothes. And we basically went to that first evening briefing in a police station in Oxford. And then that film, The Wind and the Willows Murder, actually opens with us outside the house filming. And you'll see the police doing the very initial forensic exam with the body still there, you know. So... That was the sort of access we had from the very start. It was interesting because it meant we hadn't done the meets and greets. So it did mean there were some officers still a bit reticent about doing it, you know, because obviously, you know, you're letting people into your home and we have free access to film. And so some people are nervous about that and, and not everyone's up for it. But bit by bit, as we started to demonstrate how we operate and that we do try and stand back a bit, we work with radio microphones so that then you're not always in someone's face all the time. And we're not having big boom poles flying everywhere. We're just very, very compact. They really started to warm and realised it wasn't as in invasive as they thought it might be. And, and then obviously, once we had the first film that was actually completed, which actually ended up being the Natalie Hemmings one that went out first, they then started to see the public reaction to this and, and that it was um, being written about not, not just the, the case, but also the issue in the film. So once they started to see that, then obviously the tide turned completely because they realised we were true to our word. We were highlighting their amazing work. I mean, it's insane um, the amount of hours they put in. Um, but at the same time, also doing having a public interest to what we were doing, that there was something being told in that film. And actually, it was uh, there was a, a point in The Wind and the Willows murder where I was um, I was at home cooking Sunday lunch and I got the call that they were going to go and arrest the suspect, the main suspect. And do I want to come and film that? So I literally put the roast on the table, said, sorry, family, I'm off. And uh, I drove to, it's about three hours drive from where I live, sat there while I'm um, filmed while they did the arrest. And then they had to 
because the, the suspect was living in a different county to where the police are based, they had to drive him across the country to, to Oxford. And, um, and I filmed that, but en route, they stopped at the local hospital and uh, he had been complaining of a shoulder pain. And one of the PCs, the, the police constables, came out to me and said, look, he's going to be here a little while, but I'll keep you updated. And every hour she'd pop out and say to me, look, I'm sorry, he's still here. We should be going to custody soon. And eventually at six o'clock in the morning, and the, the call came in to me about two o'clock in the afternoon. We were having an afternoon roast. Six in the morning, she comes out and says, I don't think he's going into custody today, staying here. So I drove to the nearest hotel um, and I literally checked in by about 6.45 a.m. One hour later, I get another phone call saying they're about to search the victim's house. You wanted to cover that, didn't you? And I'm like, yep, I did. Oops. So up I got one and a half hours sleep straight into the house search, which took eight hours. Oh, my Handheld God. filming. <laughs> After that, that's when I think I, le- I earned my spurs with the police because I've actually <laughs> done pretty much what they do. But that, it was those sorts of things, those moments of dedication and the same for all the team. You know, everyone would just do what needs to be done. And I think that's what really helps cement our access. And that's the thing about the, this series is that it feels like we are literally a fly on the wall, that we're watching people in as a relaxed state of mind as you can be investigating the murder of someone. We're watching them in the interactions that they have. And I don't know how much the procedures of investigating a murder are different than here in the United States, culturally and or in terms of the, the philosophy of the, the way that the police go about their business. But from what I saw in the series, I'm impressed by how many people are seated at these tables and discussing these things and all the permutations that these kinds of investigations can take. And in a way that is very professional and very concerned about the victims and concerned about the ramifications of these murders. And as you described, domestic abuse, elder abuse, there are all kinds of things that come up over the course of these investigations. And it just gave me such an appreciation. And I think this is part of what the intent of the series is about is an appreciation of how dedicated and how humanizing this thing, these things are over the course of watching what I saw. Is that fair? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think you, you touched on it there. I mean, at the heart of all these films is actually the victims' families, you know, and they're integral to the films. And, and building that relationship. And I think because of the sorts of films, the nature of the films we normally make, I mean, I'm, I've made a lot of films on poverty. I made a film over in America called Poor Kids. Um, and then I made a film on sex trafficking in America as well for Frontline PBS. And that was all about dealing with hard-hitting subjects with, with, and it's all character-led. So it's about gaining the trust of, of people when you're going to show, you know, I'm used to going to someone saying, look, you're struggling, you're about to lose your home, but can I film you losing it? So when it comes into someone who's just lost the, you know, someone's life, you know, again, it's the same principles of, you know, this is obviously the most traumatic thing that can happen to you to lose a loved one. But yeah, it's, it's because, you know, that's, we're kind of used to that and, and used to how to gradually approach people once we had the access. But we really needed the police to be on our side because 
we couldn't just wander up to them and say, hey, by the way, we're making this film. You know, we had to be introduced via the family liaison officers. So it was crucial to us to build those rapports with the police. And so it meant that just with other films we make, you, you don't always turn over. You didn't always press record on the camera. Sometimes you just spend a bit of time with them. You make a lot of tea, too, because, you know, you've got to muck in. You've got to do your bit, you know. Costa Coffee Runs, that's one of our brands, a Starbucks run, I guess, for America. You know, you've got to do them. You've got to, you've got to muck in a bit and, and help out. And, um, and, and with that comes also the, the trust level. And, and I think that that scene in, in Diary from a Grave, the, the, the one you mentioned about the elder abuse and Peter Farquhar's story, you know, there, we were on that case for three years. We had information we could have destroyed that case. You know, I knew when this, the whole arrest was going ahead, ahead of time. So I could plan having teams in each place because there were four units out simultaneously to arrest three, uh, two people, possibly three. And so we knew that information. So, you know, if we'd put that out there, you know, so that was the sort of level of trust. We were seeing documents, we were seeing evidence during the investigation. So, that's the sort of level of trust they gave us because, you know, we, we and I think it was about the fact that we gave back. We we learned, you know, there were times where we did send probably one too many people. And there was one time I walked into a station on a bullet through the window, which is another one of the films. And I thought, wait up, there's more of us than there are detectives here. We, we need to. And so we learned, you know, we learned yeah. over over the, the course of the five films. Um, and that's why when it came to the, the, the last so far in the series, Jess and I pretty much shot most of that ourselves. We only brought people in when there was like a big operation or something. Yeah. Um, but but also like the families, you know, we, we keep in touch. I mean, Ian Farquhar lives up the road for me. I still see him and Sue. We still go for a, a cup of tea and a biscuit every now and then, you know, and we stay in touch with them, you know, so it, it, it gets deeper um, than that. And I even went and filmed their son's wedding. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with... Jessa Newman, he is one of the co-directors as well as executive producer, cinematographer on this incredibly well done documentary series called Catching a Killer. It's available through Topic, T-O-O-P-I-C, Topic, a streaming service, and highly recommend that you check this out. There are a number of other wonderful programs uh, that are a part of the platform. Just just beautifully done. And there's so many things I just watching it. I was just, it was mind boggling to watch the commitment that you had to telling these stories during the, uh, the killing of Natalie Hemming. Um, there's this search for the body. I don't think I'm giving anything away here, but there was a search for the body that went on an extensive search because we, no one was sure for a lot of reasons, which I won't get into as to where she might be whether she was still alive even at that point in the in and uh just understanding a little enough about production of a of a, of a film and of a, a documentary to know what kind of commitment and you mentioned the three years of commitment to one of these stories how far back do we go in the sort of the arc of all five of the stories that i'm familiar with how far back did you begin this commitment when did this all start that's a good point actually when did it start <laughs> we've been doing it a, a while now. The you mean the first film? Yeah, just from yeah, from all from these at least these it was five about five years five ago, I think. Now. Yeah, um, it's just I mean, been it, quite well, but 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 we start you know because we start the film on the first. So what happens? The process is yeah, 
we are on call 24-7. And what will happen is one of us will receive a call from Thames Valley Police saying, we've got a case, it might be one you're interested in. And we will scramble whoever is free to get to the first briefing. So we will be at the very, very first briefing of that case. And we will film that briefing. There are some cases that we filmed the first three or four days and then realized actually this isn't going to work for whatever reason. Um, it might be a repeat story that we'd already covered. It might be that actually it's going to be solved incredibly quickly and it's it's pretty obvious who did it. And, 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 and so there are, we have shot, and then there's others where legally we just couldn't, couldn't finish covering it. So we have what we call lost leaders. You know, there are some that we do and don't finish. Um, but because we're there from day one, um, and, and that's literally what happens. That's why, you know, you, I could get the call at any time. There's one time I'd actually been to visit them and I was on the way back home and they rang and said, actually, you better come back. So you literally carry your camera everywhere. You, you never leave home without it because you don't know when you're going to get the call. And in fact, we're now starting another run with them. We've had a bit of a pause, but we're starting up again now. So um, we're going to be out with our cameras every day again now waiting for the next call. Now you you mentioned um, the the Tri Thames area. Is that do I have that correct? Thames right? Valley. Thames Valley. What what area of Britain does that cover? What what are we talking about? So um, it's a section in in central Britain. It's it's it starts with Slough, which is on the edge of London, um, and goes um, it's it's several counties north of London, basically. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, having so, never spent any time uh, there, I, it, the surrounding communities—it's just a—it seems to be a beautiful part of of your country. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is the sort of you know, it's a green belt. It covers the Cotswolds. It's 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 the little villages you might think of when you think of some, you know, of Britain. You know, it's green green fields and and sheep and 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 then there are the cities, of course, as well. But yeah. you know, one of the major cities is Oxford. You know, which is obviously beautiful you've got Milton Keynes which is a, a more of a you know that's that that's less sort of you know it doesn't have a, the university it's more of a city feel to it but it, it again it's it's all these cities are, are, are very quickly you're in countryside so um and obviously with with the with the fifth film the, that was based in Maids Morton which is a little you know little your picturesque postcard village with the you know your chocolate box village with a little church and and beautiful picket fences and flowers and all of that which is why it was so shocking you know no, yes. no one realized that this murder could happen in a place like that you know that you would never imagine it you know right. and a trainee vicar you know it's it's that one is i mean i think yeah that is one of the ones but obviously bullet through the window i mean that was about a young man caught up in on the fringe of gang culture you know wrong place wrong time and it was a real tragedy you know so so all of them have their own sort of element to them that makes them quite unique. And then the the Chinese murder mystery, you know, is well, the the, the solving of that one is tricky, and yeah. you start to see why, and you learn about the traveler community and and stuff. So, yeah, yeah each one is very individual, and that's what yeah. we were aiming to do with with the series. But I do think, yeah, as you say, you know, you do you do get a real sort of sense of what the policing is. What I hope is refreshing to people is it's very different in terms of the fact it's not retrospective. This isn't yet another 
box set of of a murder that happened 10 years ago that's been redone and this this is happening now as you watch it it is unfolding it is in unfolding in real time in front of you and that's really rare for this kind of thing in the episodes that i've seen the profile of the suspect is quite compelling the way that you're able to build into the story there's just all the elements i mean but that one part especially with the one uh diary from the grave to sort of piece together his the profile of this particular person was just shocking and compelling at the same time. I cannot recommend this series enough. It is just so well done. And I'm not the only one. It's been the winner, the Royal Television Society, winner of the best documentary series, as well as winner of professional excellence, factual productions, nominated for a number of awards. Um, the uh, the reviews have been um, off the charts in terms of your, it's just a quality program from start to finish. So I highly recommend you check this out, Catching a Killer. And again, you can get to it through Topic. Topic is the platform, T-O-P-I-C. And uh, all of that information is available at the filmschoolradio.com website, but also you can go to, you can find it. Congratulations to you and your team, to the entire team um, of people that have you've been working with on this. Uh, it is just uh, exceptional. So con congratulations, Jess and Newman, for your work. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music